Every family has room to grow as they journey through life together. And that's why we've created this podcast, Room to Grow. In each episode, from our little room to yours, our conversations will take us to places where families can grow together. Sometimes those spaces can feel uncomfortable, but they're places where we can find wisdom to weave into the fabric of our families. If you long to cultivate a deeper connection with your kids as you help them thrive in Jesus, you're in the right place. With lots of love, hope, laughter, and grace, we invite you to make room to grow with us. Right, welcome back today to our, uh, well, actually, it's episode three of Teen Resiliency, and I'm here with you, Mike Black. Again, thank you for being part of this with me. Uh, Thanks to all who are listening today. Mike, at the last, at the end of the last episode, uh, you made a promise to me that you would share a dad joke. And so I am going to have you, I'm going to cash in on that with you. Do you have one that you're ready to share today? I do, but it's on the condition that the audience does not turn off the video after they hear the bad (laughs) joke. So, because some people- I think you're safe. Okay, You're safe. Just go for it. Okay. Um, So here's one of them. And if you roll your eyes or laugh, Mm -hmm. both are appropriate, anybody, right? Um, I'm ready. And so here's my, here's the one that I would ask is that, what is a good name for a female firefighter? I don't know. Ashley. Oh. <laughs> okay. So that's a good one. Keep the videos on, okay, please. Yes. So, okay. <laughs> that was both an eye roll and a laugh. Um, <laughs> no, that was good. I'll have to use that one at the dinner table tonight. Okay. Um, which, you know, thank you so much for sharing the dad joke. Um, tell me more about how you are, you know, you're, you're a dad. Tell me a little bit more about your family. Well, I'll share this before we get into my family. I've been married 30 years, and um, even though I'm only 32, no, just kidding. Yeah. But, um, and so I've been married 30 years, and I will share this that I think a lot of people are going to identify with, that after I got married, especially after I had kids, more than one kid, I had been so blind before getting married how selfish and how selfless I could be both. And it was such a humbling experience to see how selfish I can be after I became married and became a parent. But it was good because God changed and transformed me, even though I can sometimes still be selfish. So I've been married 30 years, um, and uh, we live in Ferndale, Washington. And um, I have a son who I've alluded to, who at this time is 25, uh, lives in Seattle. Um, and I'll share you a really cool story that happened with him recently. And then my daughter is just about 21. And by the time this video comes out, she will have been 21. In fact, this coming weekend, uh, we're going to celebrate her graduation and birthday. And those of you who know her name's Kaylee, Mm -hmm. she is, her middle name should be Celebration. At church at CTK, when she is worshiping, it's aerobics. Mm -hmm. And I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it's genuine. It's not Mm -hmm. fake. And so um, she is uh, special needs, Down syndrome. Uh, We embrace her for who she is. And I would share with you that I learn more from her than what she teaches, what I teach her, because she knows how to love, you know, and so um, that's my family. And at times it's messy, at times it goes well. Uh, it's like the hike I mentioned, detours and destinations, right. where it's not always what you plan. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just go with the flow and have God help you in that journey. Mm. So, oh, Gosh, I, I hear you. Oh my goodness. Thank you for sharing that. We're, and we're thankful for your family yep. and the celebration that Kaylee is um, on the day-to-day here and also on Sundays when we get to worship with her. Yep. It's awesome. So, Mike, let's launch into Teen Resiliency Part 2. 
Yep. So I can ponder or share about many stories right now. The one I'm going to share is a bit of my testimony, um, is that um, I grew up in quite a traditional church background. And around 13, 14, I rebelled from that quite a bit. Um, I self-medicated. Um, I Throughout my high school years, I was quite, I'll be blunt with you, the jerk to my parents. Um, and uh, I was not fun to be around with. Probably anxiety and anger was part of what I was dealing with. So as I alluded to in an earlier um, episode, is that I had stomach aches every day for three or four years. I had chronic anxiety, but I didn't know the word anxiety at the time. I was pretty clueless in my adolescent years. And as I alluded to, I hit it well. And so my story of resiliency is that my senior year of high school, I heard about a retreat that it had to have been the Holy Spirit that pondered me in going because I was basically saying no to religion, spirituality at the time for the most part. Went on this retreat, and I'll just be honest with you, to meet girls, but <laughs> instead, thank God I met God. And so what happened to me in my story of resiliency is that my stomach aches went completely away by the end of that weekend. And it wasn't anything weird that anybody did because it would have been weird that time if somebody laid their hands or prayed over me. Now I like that, but that would have been foreign to me then. Okay. It was very simply the body of Christ around me, fellow adolescents and adults that loved me unconditionally, and yet we had so much fun that weekend. And so I find it interesting that God is using me in a similar way that he speaks of in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where Paul says that I comfort others in the same way that I've been comforted. That's first, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. That's my story. And I find it interesting that God has called me to be a therapist, a counselor, to help other people's stomach aches. Yeah. But mm -hmm. that's my story of resiliency. But 90 to 100% of it is God's working in my life, and all I did was cooperate in that process. And so that's my story of resiliency. Everybody's story is different. But like most people, I, I needed to embrace my struggle in order to overcome it. Real quick, what happened was that the first part of that weekend, um, one of the friends that I made from that weekend who had been on the retreat before, I was a bit of a concern the per first part of that retreat because I was resistant and I had a wall up. And so they prayed for me and reached out to me because I was in the process of embracing my brokenness and my struggle, much like Peter in the weekend that he betrayed Jesus. And thank God I did that because that helped me to be restored in Christ on that weekend. Does that make yeah, sense? Oh, that's powerful. So, yes, yeah. that's a really um, incredible story. Thanks. Um, and thankful you were able to overcome that with the help of the Lord. Yes. Um, and we hope that for our kids. Yes. And again, another reason to help them to get connected yep. um, as you were yep. as, as a kid. And thankful that you're sitting here now able to share that story and yep. helping people through their own, I love how you put it, stomach aches. Yes. Because, um, you know, interestingly enough, so much of it, the anxiety and the stress manifests itself through Correct. our bodies. So being able to pay attention to that is is huge. Yep. Uh, and also, too, I love how you said, too, it wasn't that people needed to lay hands on me, but people were around me. Yes. And again, this idea of support. Um, like us gathering around one another, whatever that might look like, and being being discerning yeah. um, of you know what the spirit is doing is what is appropriate in those yes. scenarios. And a quick comment I want to mm -hmm. say, and I'll talk about this this episode, the next episode a bit, is that with our relationship with adolescents, oftentimes it doesn't mean preaching Christ, but being Christ. And that's what those people were to me that weekend. There was hardly any scripture quoted that weekend. It was just simply people being Christ to me yep. in that process of having fun and yet also some serious stories that we were able to hear from one another. Right. So, 
I love that. And I love how it also takes the pressure off of us yeah. um, to remember to rely on God. Yes. For those big moments that yeah. you just you described having. Uh, thank you. Mike, you spoke last time about kids being resilient through routine. Yes. Can you speak more about this? Yeah. I, I In my research lab, and what I mean by that is many adolescents I've worked with in the middle school as well as in my private practice, as plus stuff I've read, is that I'll just reiterate what I shared in the previous episode, is that these three main routines are so important, I'll speak of others in a moment, is that healthy eating, healthy sleep, and healthy exercise. And there's defense and offense. What I mean by that is defense is dealing with what we spoke about with the pandemic, anxiety, and those things, and dealing with anxiety. I teach kids anxiety management skills, but I'm learning more and more that offense is important too, which is about healthy routine. It goes both ways. Mm-hmm. Right At some point in that hike that I spoke of last episode, I had to focus on the end goal rather than how tired I was and when going back to the car. Mm-hmm. Right. I made the shift from defense to offense. So routine means for kids is that um, healthy eating, let's be honest, almost every adolescent, especially boy, but even girl, they have to have some junk food. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know else to put it. Right. I even ask adolescents, what's your favorite junk food, right? Nice. Um, and... Uh, and so, yeah, they're going to do that. But it's an example is that it's important that adolescents have protein every morning mm-hmm. because it's brain food. And if kids have anxiety and they don't eat protein in the morning or oftentimes skip breakfast, mm-hmm. that's going to create more anxiety. Right. And that's just a simple example, mm-hmm. that dynamic as well. Um, so healthy eating. Another one I want to emphasize is um, healthy sleep. There's a term that therapists call sleep hygiene, and that mostly means what we do before we go to sleep. Research has shown us that when kids are, when adolescents are gaming mm-hmm. till like midnight, then they go to bed at midnight. One, they have a hard time going to sleep. But research has actually shown us this really interesting dynamic that there's a thing called REM sleep, which means deep sleep. I can go into it more, but it's a, everybody needs deep sleep. They have found that kids that game more than six hours in, in a day, especially if it's more than that. They may sleep 10 hours, but they're robbed of REM sleep, which is deep sleep, and then they're tired the next day. So good sleep hygiene, for example, means that they stay away from video games for an hour or two before they go to bed. Another one that's probably obvious to almost everybody that most people know is that kids should be sleeping at least eight hours a night, more like nine or 10. And unfortunately, research has shown us more and more, especially high school age, the average time that most high schoolers go to bed is probably around 12 or 1 a.m., that's just my research, mm-hmm. stuff I've read as well. So just having enough sleep in terms of sleep hygiene as well. Right. Otherwise, it feeds the anxiety. The last one I want to really emphasize, I've seen so much fruit of this, is exercise. Exercise is the only, and I put this in quotes, medication without side effects. And almost immediate relief. Example, I met with a boy 10 years ago. This was absolutely baffling for me, even with all, all my experience and my my private practice, I was meeting with a boy who at the time was 15. He had done some self-harm because of depression. And in all honesty, I helped him, but not very much. He came back on his own about a year later to see me in my private practice. Completely different guy um, in a good way. And I said, what's the difference? And he said, here's what it is, Mike. I've been doing martial arts. And good martial arts is not just self-defense and exercise, but it's good mindset stuff too. Yep. And especially if you can add Christ into it, that dynamic as well. And I cannot tell you study after study after study in my own research lab how much exercise helps to reduce anxiety 
and depression. The, the sad thing for all of us, not just kids, that when we struggle emotionally, like with the post-pandemic stuff, those things go away. Mm-hmm. A fourth one I want to suggest is spiritual disciplines for kids and us, but Glad for kids. That they, they connect with God, but do it through their love language with God. Right. It might be prayer. It might be the Word of God. It might be youth group. It might be being discipled by somebody. Let them choose that dynamic. I do want to pause, though, and tell parents at Guardians that part of their job description, if they've been brought up in a Christian family, is to develop their own identity in Christ apart from mom and dad's, which involves for about 40-50% of adolescents, from my research, questioning and wondering and checking out other things. Give them permission to do that within reason, Mm -hmm. because they don't have to be a shadow of you, parents. Right. I'll just be blunt with you. Yes, that's huge. So remember, part of their job is to Mm -hmm. differentiate from you in the sense that I'm different than you, mom and dad, which includes sometimes questioning. Mm -hmm. So yes, we are to disciple them and pray for them and intercede for them, but allow them to be different and question in that process, much like the Psalms, where the Psalm says, God, why is this happening? Right. Life sucks right now but yet still trusting in God. Yes, exactly. Does that make sense? Oh, it definitely does. Yes. Uh, So you're saying too, to be able to model that to our kids, that that is important in our own lives um, to really develop our own spiritual growth, uh, to also um, try to implement that so it's part of maybe your family as well, but also giving them the freedom yes. and to have variety and what that looks like for them. Yes. Variety is the key Mm -hmm. word. Yeah. Yeah. especially middle school, but even high school, that so often they live in the moment. Kids are not very good planners, generally. They're more spontaneous to live in the moment. So so often with adolescents, timing is everything. If they're not in the mood, they're gonna, not going to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Not that you always have to adhere to their mood, but just be aware of so, that dynamic. Yes, yes, which actually reminds me that if we can be sensitive to that element and realize that, you know, it might be 10 p.m. when they finally want to talk to you about yes. something, or they're finally ready to be able to say, I... I need help, or can you listen, or yes. I could use prayer yeah. for that. Yeah. Um, as tired as we can be, yes. to be able to go, oh, this is, you know, <laughs> we could have done this the last 15 hours, but you chose right now. Yep. Yes, once in a while, that you know, there's that moment to put the brakes on. But I'd yep. say, we signed up for this, and yep. we have an amazing opportunity to be able to go, okay, this is just, you know, uh, just real time. I'm going to take this opportunity because it's fleeting. Yep. It's important. If I can give you and I in the audience a visual picture that's very simplistic of so many adolescents, is it looks like this, where there's days where they're going to pull you in, they want you, they want to connect with you. There's mm-hmm. days where like this, and sometimes it's both at the same time. Right. And so just mm-hmm. be aware, especially when we have the pandemic that has delayed them emotionally. Mm-hmm. So just be aware of that dynamic in terms of that. Exactly. Another reason we as adults... Um, Calling upon the Lord for help in that, yes, uh, to fill us up, to give us what we need, so that we can be ready, yeah, for those moments. Because ready or not, yes, <laughs> um, our kids will come when they're ready, yes. on their terms, yeah. So you've spoken a lot to connecting with kids. Can we now shift to talking about boundaries with yes. kids? Yes. So I'll, I love the power of metaphor and so and, and analogies. And so this is a real life analogy. And I, I wish I could cite where I got it from, but it was over 10 years ago I heard this. There was an accidental study that happened, I'll call it that, over 10 years ago in an elementary school where there's a fence around the elementary school playground, which is understandable. But because of construction, um, they took away the fence. And so the paranoia and 
and concerned about administration and even parents is that what will kids do during this week where there's no fence? Because we typically think of kids going haywire when there's no boundaries. What's interesting, fascinating, is that the majority of those kids hugged even closer to the school building. Interesting. And that means the kid's internal desire for boundaries, even if they don't like them. When I heard that study, it's like, wow. So kids need boundaries, even if they don't like them. The dilemma that most of us have that are, quote unquote, either conservative or religious or spiritual, however you want to word it in, be aware of this dynamic of so many parents of adolescents that grow up in the church, and this was true of me with my son, is that their friends who don't go to church or come from a religious family typically don't have as many boundaries in their families. That doesn't make them bad. I'm just saying difference, which then makes the parents of that child who's Christian, the Christian family, the bad guys. It's a dynamic to be aware of. Because, Can you share a little bit more well, to that? Because Maybe an example. Kids, kids want bond, don't want bonders, but they don't. One of the desires that adolescents desire is freedom. I've talked to so many kids, they want freedom. They, they want more independence, which means they, in some ways, would prefer no fence, right. even though that's what they need. And so if I have friends that I'm 15 years old that don't have a fence, but yet I have a fence, I don't want that fence. Right. Yes. So that means the administrators that are running the school are bad guys because it's like, why a fence when my friend doesn't have a fence, which then makes me the bad guy right. as a parent. Yes. As, as a, oh, yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I know that yeah. there are people probably definitely shaking their heads yeah. right now. And I know that is lived out and played out yeah. in my own household too. So yeah. with boundaries, I'll say it this way with adolescents. There's a number of angles I can go. I encourage us, encourage us guardians, adult, uh, parents to think of it this way. Mm-hmm. Think of it as a green light, yellow light, red light as a parent okay. with a kiddo, a green light means it's not even worth bringing it up because they're doing the right thing. Kid does his homework, that's a green light, you know, or maybe whatever, they're just doing something that's appropriate. Right. A yellow light is something we address, but it's not a safety issue. Okay. And so an example of developmentally, I believe that with six, seven graders and younger, that if they do, don't do their homework, we address it because the frontal lobe of their drain is not developed. Okay. So we help them in that process. We set boundaries around gaming and a number of things because you're not doing their right. homework. If a kiddo is junior, senior in high school, you don't set that boundary that while you have expectations, it's on them whether right. they study or not because it's about letting go. Exactly. But they also have to gain that trust. Um, I view, kids, you're not going to like me saying this if you're listening, mm-hmm. but I view cell phones and driving as a privilege, not a right. But many kids, by the way, will see it as a right, which is how they think. And so I worked with a family recently that the boy's not making some very good decisions around self-medicating. And so I've affirmed what they've thinking about doing is that they're adhering his privilege to have his license and drive with his self-medicating. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. That's what we call a red light. Right. You know, and so mm-hmm. I believe that almost every parent should have at least two or three non-negotiables. Mm-hmm. But as they get older, we should negotiate more. So um, speak of negotiation, once kids hit high school, maybe even eighth grade, depending on the, I think the name of the game and for the most part is negotiate with them. Okay. And Joey, you could do this, this, or this, which one are you going to choose? As opposed to you have to do this, unless it's a safety issue. Remember, there's that red light, exactly. non-negotiable safety issue like curfews, things like that. But remember, the big difference between adolescents and their parents in today's world is that adolescents will think of it as a right, but for parents, it's like, no, this is a privilege. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, it's not a right. Is, yes, is yes, thank sense? you for speaking into that. Yeah. You know, it does remind me too that um, even when our kids are little, 
giving them choices yes. is important. So it just kind of keeps going even into high school with just, you know, kind of a different yeah. um, set of, um, of choices. Yeah. Uh, and it, as the word, teaching them how to become adults yep. and yeah and let me say one more thing about boundaries Please. it's a pretty bold statement but parents and guardians and teachers anybody that helps kids there's something wrong if your kid always likes you mm. um yes and, as much as we'd love yeah, that yeah mm -hmm. you're right um, it's not good if they never like you mm -hmm. yes i know where is that balance <laughs> but, mike <laughs> but responsible good parenting is about their character not their happiness right. think about how god the father parents us our daddy, as Jesus would say, Abba Father. Right. His interest is our character, not our happiness. Exactly. So we would mirror that with our kids as well. Mm -hmm. So I just Powerful want to add point. that. I'm so glad you added that. In terms of boundaries. Yes, that's huge. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, Mike, what have you seen that is not helpful to teens, even though our intentions might be good? Um, excellent question. Um, again, keeping in mind intentions are good. The key ones that I've seen, and what I'm about to share with you, has to do with me hearing from adolescents. I may not have said it that abruptly, what hasn't helped, but more or less I've asked them. And here's what I've seen and observed, what I've heard from adolescents, especially the voice of adolescents. For the most part, giving advice without listening. Mm -hmm. The general dynamic with kids, with the green light, yellow light aspect, when it's a non-safety issue, listen first, then give input. Right. It's a win-win. Yeah, powerful, um, it is. With, you know, there's a few exceptions to that, mm -hmm. but listen first, then, then, then give advice. Mm -hmm. Another one through the eyes of kids is don't nag. Um, we're gonna so we're gonna repeat ourselves. We're gonna say a few things, but nagging is like Charlie Brown talking to his mom on the phone. It is uh, in terms of the wah 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 wah, you know. Um, and then also just the tug of war thing that I alluded to in a previous episode we've had of just that power struggle that happens. Right. Um, and as I alluded to, a little bit of repeating myself here is that don't be fake, be authentic. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna add one more golden rule that. I many adolescents has affirmed in me as I've asked them about this, which I don't think I've ever said to an adolescent myself with so many years of working with kids. Do not say when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. It's okay to say, hey, when I was younger, these are some things I struggled with. It's okay. Be vulnerable. Share some of your own insecurities. But with each generation, it is different than when we were growing up, mm -hmm. even if you're 27, 28 years old. Um it is. It really turns off teenagers, especially when you say, "When I was a teenager." Shuts them down. Mm -hmm. So I, I that I put that one in bold print. I'm glad you did. <laughs> so Thank those you. are just examples. It's easy to go there. <laughs> yeah, those are just examples of that. You know, in terms of that. Thank you. Um, so glad yeah. you brought all of those up. So just to recap, so we if we want to be good listeners, we don't want to nag. Yeah. And we want to be authentic yes. with our kids. Exactly. I think too, even to throw in. Um, being comfortable enough yes. to be able to ask them how we're doing. Yeah. With yep. that. Yep. And they can tell us. Yes. Sometimes it's humbling. That's really good. But th then we can measure, yeah. you know, what what is yeah. working, what's not. Um, and it gives yeah. them an opportunity to um, be able to be honest and know that's okay. I had, I love you said that. I had a family appointment a month ago and the dad m intentions were really good, like with most parents, all parents, I think. Right. The dad said to his son in the appointment, which I affirmed for so much the next week, the dad, he more or less said, um, to his son, I would like to connect with you more because there's a chasm between him and he and his son. A lot of it's because they think very differently. They have different interests. They're just simply very different. Um, and so he said to his son, more or less, 
I would like to connect with you. Teach me how to do that because you're really good with connecting with people. And he didn't do that in a needy way, but just like, I'm kind of handicapped in this way. Help me to know how to do that. Love the humility. That's an example. Yes. A beautiful example. And it also reminds me too of being able to take that to Jesus. Yes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because isn't that connection? Yes. It just mirrors, yeah. right? The connection that he wants us to have with our own kids. Yep. Yep. Thank you for sharing that. And and lastly, how does communicating with uh, kids and teens, how does it help them to be resilient? Yeah, and that's a, um, a good appetizer in terms of what we're going to cover the next episode. We're going to talk a lot about communication. Just to reiterate some of the things I've shared and adding a few pieces is to be authentic, to connect. Um, I guess I'll just add that as kids get older, especially high school age, it's more about one-on-one communication than everybody being together at once. Whereas when they're younger, it's a little bit more everybody together at once. It's not always true for every kid. As I alluded to, some of it's timing as well, you know, in terms of that dynamic. Here's a key thing about communication uh, as a good appetizer is the Gottmans do a wonderful job about talking in marriages about what we call repair attempts. Mm -hmm or we mess up. And so when I work with a marriage couple, but this applies to a parent with a teen, Mm -hmm. things get messy, especially when you have kids. They do. And I don't pay attention to how messy things get. Mm -hmm. I pay attention to what happens later. Was there a repair attempt? Repair attempt doesn't have to say, I'm sorry. It can be giving somebody a hug or saying a joke in a funny way as a way of turning towards and connecting. Mm -hmm. So that's really important with parent-teen communication which I'll be honest with you, that was really hard for me when my son was younger because I'm a distancer when it comes to conflict. Mm -hmm. And so I had to force myself to make this repair attempts even though I didn't want to. And I'll confess there were times I didn't do that. Mm, I appreciate you saying that. And also just giving us permission to be able to remember that that's okay and it takes practice. Thank you for that little teaser um, that we'll be talking about a little bit more in our last episode coming up. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Mike.